Hello, Parkview. We good? Good to see you. Doing all right today? Good. Welcome to everybody around here in Chicagoland, whether you're on campus or online. Uh, I'm glad that you are around here uh, this weekend. And isn't, isn't it good? It's already been just great to gather if you're on campus here, Orland Park, Homer Glen, New Lenox, and just to be able to sing and worship to God. It's just, it's, you know what worship, worship is, it recalibrates our hearts towards what's true about God, amen? And it's just good. It's good in the world that we live in to be able to be recalibrated and refocused on what's true about God, and then we go right from there into a great time of study together. I'm so glad uh, that you're here. I'm glad you've made the choice to be around here this weekend, again, wherever you uh, may be. If you've been around here the last few weeks, you know that we've been studying the life of Jesus, and uh, in the life of Jesus, the reason we're doing that is we want to see how he lived, how he interacted with his family, with friends. We want to see how he treated people who uh, liked him and people who didn't like him because we want to be able to live in a similar way in the world that we live. We want to be able to look more like Jesus with our lives, with our friendships, with our relationships. And so that's why we've been studying uh, this. And one of the things we've been using along with our weekend teaching is this Quest 52 book by Mark Moore. Uh, a fantastic book. Mark is a good friend, incredible pastor in Arizona. And uh, we ran out of these books a while back. We have more of them this weekend on all of our campuses. So if you want to grab one of these, really cool because whatever we study and talk about on the weekend, then we go deeper into that and read uh, that same stuff during the week. Uh, and it just, it, it really is, it keeps, it, uh, keeps it fresh, really, in our hearts and minds all week long. So grab one of those. It's, it's definitely not too late to jump in and be a part of that. We're just, you know, get, getting into uh, the book, really. So uh, this week we're in chapter nine in our study. I'm fired up about it. I love, love this section of scripture. And here's the topic that we're going to think about for chapter nine. How do I recognize God's call on my life? My guess is that's something that we're all a little curious about, whether you're around church a lot, maybe you're just coming back to church, you're thinking, what would God want me to do? Like, what would God be calling me to do if, if I was to follow after God? Just if, what would that look like? That's, that's where we're headed today, what it would look like if you decided to do that or continue doing that. Uh, what I want to do to get us all going in that direction is I want you to think for just a few moments, just, just in your head, quietly, um, when, when do you think in your life you started to get the idea of what God wanted you to do with your life? Or not maybe what God wanted you to do, just what you wanted to do. Maybe you didn't even have any idea or relationship with God at that point. When were you thinking about what I want to do in life? Maybe it was in your early years you had a teacher in junior high or high school, maybe you had a teacher in elementary school and they were so fantastic. You said, you know what, I'm gonna be a teacher. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what, I'm gonna do what he does. I'm gonna do what she does. I'm gonna be a teacher. And so maybe they inspired you. Maybe you had a coach. Maybe you played different sports when you were growing up and you had a coach that was just so good and you said, I'm gonna do it. That's what I'm gonna do. I just, I just feel like with my life, I, I wanna be a coach. Or maybe you had a doctor or a nurse or somebody like that really be a big part of your life or your family or your parents or something like that. And so you said, I'm going to study medicine. I'm going to do that kind of thing. And I'm going to help people. When was it? Think back in your life when you started feeling like, man, I think this is maybe what I want to do with my life, for my life. It's my vocation, my calling. I can remember for me, when I first started getting that feeling that I wanted to work in a church, uh, my parents didn't work in a church at all, so it was kind of a new thing that I wanted to be a pastor. It was uh, during the summer of my ninth grade year, and it was at this place, Camp Syokomo. 
Camp Sayokomo, summer camp. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't know, like, Sayokomo. I don't know, is that a city? Like, what, what town is that? What city? It's not a town. It's not a city. It, it, it's a camp. Sayokomo stands for Christian Youth of Kansas, Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma. <laughs> so clever, huh? Yeah. Sayokomo. And it was actually in Missouri... I lived in Kansas, but that's where I spent a lot of my growing up years. And it was right after my ninth grade year, before I went into my 10th grade year of high school, we were at camp. It was late in the week. We just had got done with one of our evening sessions, uh, you know, with worship and teaching. And at camp, you know, those can go for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. We just got done with it. We were walking out and my youth pastor, Reggie Epps, came up to me. And I still just uh, such an influential part of my faith walk, my youth pastor, Reggie Epps, uh, he ministers in Kansas City these days. Um, he, he came up to me and said, hey, Todd, I need to talk to you tonight. Can you meet me at the bell over by the mess hall in about a half an hour? And I said, well, okay, sure, of course. And then do you know how I was feeling and thinking for the next half hour? I'm thinking, oh, shoot. He knows. Like, he knows. He knows I've been doing stuff. He, know, he knows I've been up to shenanigans all week, you know, <laughs> around here at camp. And so I'm nervous as can be. We get over there to the bell, and I can remember standing in that bell like it, like it was just a moment ago. And that bell had all kinds of different paint on it from all kinds of different decades, different colors. And we're standing there, and I don't remember everything he said to me, but here's what I do remember. I remember him looking at me and saying, Todd, you are a leader. And you are going to be able to lead people during your life, which most of your life is ahead of you, you're going to be able to lead people to all different kinds of things in your life. I want to challenge you tonight to spend your life leading people towards Jesus. Maybe work in a church. And I want to tell you something. That was a pivotal moment in my life. I don't even know if Reggie would remember it, to be honest. But it was, it was, a, it changed the trajectory of my life. Now, understand this. I had already been baptized. I'd already given my life to Jesus years earlier when I was even younger. This wasn't about giving my life to Jesus. This was about living my life for Jesus. Okay, they're, they're different things. It's not about the salvation moment. I had made the choice to give my life. Now I was making the decision whether or not to live my daily life for Jesus. And that is where we're going to head in our study today. Maybe you've made a choice to give your life, but what does it really mean to live your life for Jesus, just your normal everyday life? That's what we're going to dig into. I love what Mark Moore says in the book. He says, how can we use the gifts God gave us to make Jesus more famous? How do we do that in just our everyday lives? That's where we're headed. If you have a Bible, smartphone, tablet, however you look up things in the Bible, I'm going to have it up on the screen as well. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5. New Testament of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read a big section of this scripture, and then we're going to spend some time unpacking, pulling it apart for our lives. So here we go. Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats that had been left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. 
And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, "Um, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came over and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me. Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything and they followed him. So it's not just giving our lives, but how do we live our lives? How do we take those steps just in normal everyday life towards following Jesus? That's what we want to dig into from the life of Peter and his relationship with Jesus today. So if you're taking notes, a few things to write down. Maybe you could take a picture of this on the screen. The first thing is this. If you're available, God will use you. The very first thing for you and the very first thing for me is simply to be available so that God can talk to us, so that God can use us. I mean, how many of you know that it wasn't Peter's abilities that led Jesus to get into his boat? If it was about ability, Jesus would have never chosen to get into the boat of somebody who had just fished all night and not caught anything, right? It wasn't about his ability. It was about his availability. Again, he'd fished all night. He hadn't caught anything. He was probably tired. He was probably a little down. The Bible says, Scripture says that he's on the shore and he's washing, he's cleaning up his nets. He's getting ready to go home, crash out, take a shower, get ready for the next day. And that's when Jesus says, hey, 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 could I, uh, could I get in your boat? Could you take me out a little ways in your boat so that I could talk to the people back on the shore? And at that point, Peter has a choice to make, right? Just like you and I have choices to make. I mean, let's put ourselves into the life of Jesus, into the life of Peter. He asks him that, and Peter has a choice to make. Peter can say, Peter could have easily said, you know what? Okay, okay, here, here's the deal. I mean, I'm, I am I am." tired. I just worked all night. It was like the third shift, okay? I've I've been working all night. I'm stinky. I need a shower. There's other boats. Could you just, okay, Jesus, could you just use someone else? Could you just use someone else's boat? Could you get in someone else's boat? Peter could have easily said that. Could have made all kinds of excuses, but he didn't. Peter said, okay, yes, here's my boat. And Jesus came into his day and he changed his life. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. How available are you? Whether you're 16, 26, 46, 56, 76, how available are you? Do you have your whole life planned out? Do you have this whole week, this whole month planned out, all your finances, your friendships, where you're going to go, your career, your vocation, all that? Do you have it all planned out? Or are you open to Jesus, honestly, jumping in your boat. 
Maybe redirecting your morning tomorrow morning. Maybe redirecting your week. Are you, are you open to that? In fact, let's put it up here on a scale just so you can make a mental mark on this. Like over here is a one, down there is a 10. Give it a ranking on a scale of one to 10. And by the way, don't, don't like answer for people that you came with. Don't say like, well, that's you. I mean, you're definitely over there. No, don't, don't, don't do that, okay? But over here on a one, you, you would say, you know what? I, honest, Todd, honest, the honest... For me, like right now, if you're asking me right now, is I don't have much time. I mean, my, I, I don't have much availability. Like if Jesus wants to use me, I would love to be used. But I'm, here's, here's the thing. Like, like next week, I have more availability, okay? I could definitely be used next week, but this week is slammed, okay? But so like not this. And then I'm down at the other end, like a nine or a 10. Some of you would be saying, Todd, I mean, I'm pretty open. He could jump in my boat like today or tomorrow or like even next week or, or this year because I don't really have anything going. Um, so like whenever, you know, he wants to get in my boat. Like, where are you? Where would you say, honestly, in your availability? Because listen, listen, I know so many, I have conversations with so many gifted, loving, caring, intelligent people who, who desperately want to make a big difference for God, but they just can't get past this first step. In following, they, they just don't have time. Their, their schedule is too packed. And listen, I can be here easy. I can live right here. I get my schedule. I go fast. And it's so easy for me to live on this side where I just have no time and no availability. I talk to people like that all the time. But I want you to know that the first part for you and me, not just giving our life to Jesus, but actually living for Jesus, is to just be available. Be willing to let him jump in your boat. Rearrange your morning. Rearrange 20 minutes of your day. And if you'll do that, here's the next thing. If, you, if you'll listen to him, if you'll be available, if you'll listen to him, he'll direct you. He'll direct you. Jesus will direct you. God will direct you. I think Peter had to have been a little bit surprised as he let Jesus into his boat and he said, you know, hey, let's put out into deep water. He actually gives direction. In fact, Peter says this out loud. Peter says, when Jesus says, let's push out into water and let down your nets, he says out loud, hey, 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 Jesus, we've just worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. He says that out loud for people to hear. You ever have conversations where you say things out loud to people, but you also have private conversations in your head? You say things in your head that you're not going to say out loud? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm doing that right now with you, Todd. That's why I do that when, like when you preach every time. That's my, I'm always arguing with you, right? <laughs> we, we do that, right? And so Peter says out loud, hey, we've already fished all night. We haven't caught anything. But in his head, privately, he has to be thinking, go out at night? You don't or go out in the morning? Go out right now? We go out at night. That's why we went out at night. That's when the fish are out. And you want us to go out into deep waters? The fish aren't in deep waters. The fish are in shallow waters. That's why we fish in shallow waters. And Peter had to be thinking, I know the Sea of Galilee like the back of my hand. Who is this carpenter, thinks he's a fisherman, telling me about my life and my career and my job? Listen, Peter was the expert here. This was his area. This is so important to understand. And, and just remember, fishing to Peter, this was not a hobby. This was his occupation. He was a pro at this. And here Jesus is giving this direction. But yet when Jesus told him, hey, let's push out into deep water, let's let our nets down for a catch, guess what? Peter did it. Peter, I'm convinced that he may not have understood Jesus' direction, honestly. Peter may not have really agreed even with it, like, I don't know if that's really where the fish are. He may not have agreed. Peter may not have been in the mood you ever not been in the mood for direction? 
He may not have been in the mood. He had just fished all night and not caught anything. But yet here's what's really, really important for us to understand. Peter allowed Jesus' wisdom to override his own personal experience and expertise. He said, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. And the simple fact that that he was willing to listen to Jesus' direction should show and should teach you and it should teach me this weekend that Jesus' guidance, Jesus' words, Jesus' direction on any subject, in any area, in any field of any of our lives should not be ignored. When God speaks to us through his word, God speaks to us through other people, through a song, through some relationship, through his spirit, it should not be ignored. Now I know, listen, I know that what I'm bringing up to you right now clashes a lot of times with our mindset and with our culture because we don't always want to you know, if I would say, you know, who loves to take direction? Who loves in here to follow direction? I doubt if any of you would be saying, well, Todd, listen, listen, I, I, I do. I, I love for people to tell me what to do. I just do. I love it. I love when people tell me what to do. When people give me direction, it's just one of my favorite things. No, probably not. Not for most of us. You know why? It's because taking direction is humbling. It's humbling. Because for you and I to take direction from someone else, it is for you and I to admit that they know where we're going better than we do. It's humbling for that kind of thing. Could it be that a carpenter knew more about fishing than a fisherman? And some of you right now I know are thinking, Todd, I, I see where you're going with this. I, I know, time out. I know where you're going. Todd, are you, are you actually suggesting today that this carpenter knows more about my world? He lived 2,000 years ago, knows more about my world than I do today. I mean, I, I've been in computers. I've been in IT. I've been in information technology for a long time. Would you say that Jesus knows more about IT than me? Todd, are you suggesting that Jesus knows more uh, about real estate and selling loans or something like that than me? He knows more about selling cars than me. Would you say Jesus knows more about selling homes than I do? Because I have been in real estate, Todd, for probably like decades now. Todd, are you suggesting that Jesus knows more about the restaurant business and how to run a restaurant or the entertainment business or the insurance business or the banking business than I do? Is that what you're suggesting? And if that's what's going around in your mind right now, my answer to that is yes. That is what I'm saying. And here's why. It's because Jesus, this carpenter, is actually also God in the flesh. Amen? And he's the intelligent designer and director of this world and of our lives. And I'm just telling you, if you and if I will slow our lives down, if we'll be available, and then if we'll listen to God, if we'll make some time and, and just have some margin in our life to listen, God will direct you. He'll provide direction for your life. If you will slow down, God will direct you. And then the next step in just our everyday lives of following him is this. If you'll obey, God will surprise you. He gives us that direction. We're available. We think we know. You may even know right now what you think God's leading or wanting you to do with this person or that person or your family or your kids or your job or whatever it is. But then the question is, will we obey? Peter had a choice, right? Peter didn't have to obey. He could have said, get another boat. You and I don't have to obey, but I'm telling you, when you obey, even in those little things, it gives an opportunity in just your everyday life for God to surprise you. 
Peter obeyed and God surely surprised him, right? No doubt about it. It says there, we've already read it, that they were astonished at the catch of fish. They did just a little normal thing like, okay, you can take me out in my boat. Okay, we'll, we'll let down the nets. And then they caught more fish than they could have ever imagined. They nearly sunk two boats that were just full of fish. You've heard if you're, hey, the fish were just jumping in the boat. They were jumping in the boat. It was unbelievable. Peter and his partner simply were not prepared for the outpouring of God's blessing and surprise in their life. Their nets weren't strong enough. Their boats weren't big enough. They loaned their boats to Jesus for just a few minutes, and Jesus did in a few minutes what they could have never accomplished in a lifetime. Let me ask you this. Just think about this again in your head. Have you, have you ever been blown away by God's blessing in your life? You ever have a moment like that? Maybe it's not every day. It's not all day. It's not like you just say, Todd, I just, I just live in his blessing just all day. Well, there's a blessing. There's another blessing. Oh, I'm blown away again. Oh, gosh, I'm blown away again. I'm just blown away. Now I'm blown away. No, it's, it's, not, it's not all the time. But are there times? Are there moments? Are there seasons with you, your kids, your career, your finances, whatever, your neighbor, where you're just, you're like blown away. Like, I cannot believe I took this. I did this little thing. I was sitting in line at Starbucks and this the line was really long and they really needed more workers. And so I'm sitting there forever and I felt like God was saying, you need to pay for this person's coffee. And, and so I just kept ignoring it. But I was in line so long, I finally said, okay, I'll pay for the coffee. And so I pay for the coffee. And that started some huge conversation. Todd, you're not going to believe it. Right? It's just, it's just little things like that. Have you ever been just blown away by God's little blessings and surprises in your life when you just begin to live and step towards and follow after and live your life for him? I have. There have been a number of times where I'm just amazed by God's blessings. And I've found myself in the same boat as Peter many times. Peter, when he realized all that Jesus was doing, here, here's what happened. He fell to his knees. He fell at Jesus' knees, fell to his knees. Because in an area where Peter really thought he knew everything, he found out he didn't really know anything. And it, it was a humbling thing for him. When was the last time for you that God just brought you to your knees? When was the last time you stuck your neck out? Let's just be honest. When was the last time you stuck your neck out so far in obedience that it allowed God to surprise you? I'm always quizzing myself about that kind of thing. When have I stuck my neck out so much that God could lead me into a surprising situation or conversation or, or something like that? I think here's the thing. I think there's, we, you and I, we have no idea what the little, when we just obey the little things with Jesus, we have no idea what they can add up to. When we just take the little steps that God is putting on your heart, even right now this weekend, or maybe you've been kind of pushing it back in your life for the last few weeks or months, oh, I know God's called me to do this little thing, but I'm not going to do it. We have no idea what just taking these little steps alongside Jesus and living our life for him can do for those around us, for our kids, for our grandkids, and the ripple effect it can have on into the future. We have no idea. Peter had no idea what was going to ultimately happen and play out with his life, just say, hey, yeah, get in my boat, let's do it. And in fact, here, take a look at this. This is kind of interesting. This is a picture of uh, probably the, the greatest cathedral or church in all of Rome. Have you ever been there? I mean, mil millions and millions of people visit this place. There's, and it's pretty amazing to say it because there's so many incredible churches and cathedrals in Rome, but this would be 
considered the, the greatest one, the biggest one, the baddest one, the best one, right? And everybody wants to go to this one. And you know what this cathedral, this church is called? St. Peter's Cathedral, Basilica, Church. Peter would have had no idea of the ripple effect for generations. You and I have no idea what just the little choices we do to say that, don't say that, send that. We have no idea how that influences our kids, our grandkids, people at work, people we go to school with, that sort of thing. And maybe the truth is, like this weekend, you're kind of just, you know, you're, you've given your life to Jesus, but when it comes to living for him, you're kind of on the shore, you're washing your nets. I mean, you're close, you have proximity. And you've thought, there have been times where you really thought like, I'm gonna let Jesus in my boat, this is going crazy, I'm gonna let him in my boat, we're gonna do this, we're gonna take this, I'm gonna obey. But then you kind of talk yourself out of it. Here's what I wanna just say to you today. Why not take the risk? Why not even this week, let Jesus jump in your boat? Why not let him rearrange a few hours or a few moments or even just a few minutes of your day? I'm telling you, if you will obey, God will surprise you. And you'll be coming back next week. You're not going to believe this. Here's what happened. I mean, I was just doing this. I just said this one little thing. I just sent this text to this person because I felt like I could send this text. And here's what happened from sending that text. It was unbelievable. God will surprise you. And then here's the last thing we're going to have time for today. And that is when you follow, God will transform you. When you actually listen and go to that direction and obey it, and when you actually begin to step towards him, as I begin to step towards him and really follow on a regular basis, he'll transform your life. Peter, James, and John, I mean, putting ourselves in their shoes, they had just made the biggest catch of their lives. Not only of their lives, in the whole history of the Sea of Galilee. I mean, these guys, here's what's going on here. These guys aren't going to have to fish anymore. They can just be guest speakers on fishing wharfs all across the sea, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're going to they're be famous from this point on. They could design their own line of nets and hooks and their own brand, you know, guaranteed to hold even the biggest catch. They can start a fishing blog, right? They can start their own TikTok fisherman account or something like that. These, these guys, this was the biggest thing these folks had ever had come their way. They were going to be famous, and we don't get this in the text, but I'm always trying to put myself into their shoes. I think Peter has to be thinking, this is unbelievable. Look at all these fish. I mean, we're, we're going to be so wealthy and rich, and I can't wait till the wife hears about this. I mean, we've been really tied on money. We've been thinking about, you know, taking that little trip. And, and guess what, man? We are, we are rolling in it now. And guess what? That, that little seaside resort down in lower Egypt that we were going to go to, guess what? It's on, baby. We are going to that seaside resort in Lower Egypt. And maybe she'll even let me buy that new Bass Pro boat down there at the marina that I've been wanting to buy that gets a whole, you know, it does a whole lot better fishing. And, and he, that had to be going through his mind. Peter, listen, listen, Peter and James and John just had to be laughing. They had to be giddy. I mean, they are rolling around in fish, literally. Which for probably most of us, that's not great. But for fishermen, that's a really good thing. Right? And in fact, the, the, this is where the text, this is where, where we hear from Peter. When Simon Peter saw this, he cried out, we're rich. We won't have to work for weeks. And immediately Peter offered Jesus a seven-year contract with 30% ownership and a non-compete agreement. And then Peter had this thought. 
How will this new partnership and business venture scale? Scale, get it? Scale? Fishing? Okay. <laughs> is, is that what verse 8 says? That's not what verse 8 says, is it? We already read verse 8. Here's what verse 8 says. He fell to his knees. It's like, this is unbelievable. I just did this little thing. And look at what Jesus decided to do with it. This is crazy. And I'm telling you, it works that way for you and me as well. No matter how old or young you are, whether you come to church a lot or just a little tiny bit. And then the very last verse of our study this weekend, I think is one of the coolest verses in all of the New Testament of the Bible. It's verse 11. Verse 11 says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore, they left everything, and they followed him. They left it all. All that stuff we've been talking about, all the fish, all that stuff, they just left it. I mean, there had to be people standing around. There's people, you know, there's boats being sunk by fish. And Jesus had just been talking to people, maybe dozens, maybe hundreds of people are still around because Jesus had just been talking to them. What, what the world of that day would have seen is like the Galilean dream. These guys, they just left it to rot on the beach. Why is that? Why would they do that? I think it's because they realized they were being given an opportunity to move from the temporary things to eternal things. They were being given an opportunity to quit changing hooks and start changing and affecting people's hearts with their lives. I love the way Mark Moore says it in the Quest book. It's on <clears throat> page 56. You're going to be reading it later this week. Mark says, whether Jesus calls you to give up your vocation or change your vocation or use your vocation, the calling is the same. Let me say that again. Whether you give up your vocation, change your vocation, or just use right where you are in your vocation, the calling is the same. And that is to become a fisher of people. Wherever we are, it's just begin to walk more live more with Jesus for you and for me so we can help other people see how to live with Jesus. Not just give their life, but live their life for Jesus. Now why is that? Why, why, why do we do that? Why do we live in that way? And here's why, pulling it all together, wrapping it all up, it's because you can't keep the fish, Right? I mean, the fish represent all the temporary things of this world, all the promotions and the perks, all the possessions, stuff we love. I mean, I love some of the stuff I have, the possessions, so do you. I love them, but all that stuff is going to spoil. All of the temporary stuff of this world is going to spoil. It's all fish, okay? It's going to spoil. But people are eternal. And Jesus wants us to spend our time and some of our energies with people. Influencing, teaching, loving, caring for them. So maybe today, again, maybe you're the equivalent of sitting on the shore. You're washing your nets. <clears throat> You've given maybe your life to Jesus at some point, but you're thinking, how would I take steps this week to live for him? Recap where we've been. If you're available, <clears throat> he will use you. It's not about your abilities. 
what you bring to the table, what you've done, what you can do. Now, God's going to use all that, all your gifts and talents. It is absolutely really important for the kingdom, but it's not about those things primarily. It's about just being available, being open. And then if you listen, if you make some time to listen, God's going to speak to you. God's going to direct you. And some of you know that because you know you've been hearing and feeling those promptings and urgings. If you obey, well, this is really where the rubber meets the road for me and for you. I hear from God a lot of times, but I don't obey. I'm like, you know what? I, I am totally open to that tomorrow, okay? Because today, I, got, I can't do that today. Tomorrow would be good. But if we will obey, even in the little things, he'll surprise you. He'll step in and surprise you. And then as you and I follow, he'll transform our lives. And we never know. You never know the ripple effect it's going to have for the people around you, kids and grandkids, great-grandkids. One last thing, something that's hit me this week. I studied the Bible a lot. I've studied this section of Scripture a lot through my life. But something new and fresh that hit me this week, it has to do with the Sea of Galilee. This is a picture of the Sea of Galilee, or like right now. Not now, not real time, but like present day. Um, this is a boat like Jesus maybe would have gotten in. Fishermen use this, probably much more elaborate and bigger, but something like this. This is on the Sea of Galilee. Here's what's interesting, a couple things. Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he did right around 33 miracles that we know of. I'm sure there's more than that, but 33 miracles that were recorded in Scripture, and 18 of those, the majority of those were right here around the Sea of Galilee, right around what we've studied today. This was like his home base, okay? So the majority of Jesus, 18 of his 33 miracles were done right around where we've just studied today. There's lots of other ones. Here's another interesting thing that really kind of blew my mind this week. The Sea of Galilee itself is the lowest freshwater lake on the entire earth. It's hundreds of feet below like sea level. It's the lowest body of water. It's the lowest sea level on this planet. And putting together and realizing that Jesus, catch this, right? Put these together. Jesus does some of his greatest and the majority of his miracles in the lowest places. Maybe honestly today, if you and I had time to sit and have coffee, you'd say, you know what, Todd, um, this year has not, this, it's been so hard. And Todd, I feel that, I feel like I am at the lowest point in my life that I have had on this earth. If you feel that way, I am so sorry. And I know that's hard. But I want you to remember and hold on to this truth that it's in those low places that Jesus does some of his greatest works. Amen? It's in those low places in your life. Those low places is where Jesus does the majority of his miracles. And maybe it's not you. Maybe it's your kids. Or maybe it's your grandkids. And your heart is dying for them. Because they are in such a low place right now. You hang on to this truth that even in those low places, that's where Jesus does some of his greatest work and miracles. Hold on to that. Amen? 
And let's just keep walking and following and let him surprise us. Let's pray together, sing together. God, thanks for today. Thanks for Peter. Thanks for your word. Thanks for the application for our lives today and just the, uh, the idea of taking simple steps and the idea, God, of allowing you to jump in our boat and direct us, rearrange our morning. God, I pray that you would give all of us the desire and the hunger to do that. And I pray that you would allow all of us, depending on where we are, to hold on to the realization that you do some of your greatest work in the lowest places. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, amen.